Hey, you can have a seat. Hey, it's really good to be with you all. You guys know I love being here, right? This is uh, General Assembly Week, as they mentioned, and so Nazarenes from all over the world are gathered in Indianapolis, and um, I was there, but honestly, I really wanted to come back, and I wanted to be with you, and I wanted to speak uh, today, because this this is a message that's kind of been um, in my heart and on my mind for years, and, and, and I just wanted to be with you guys, because you guys are my family, and I love you guys. Hey, by the way, speaking of family, uh, we have some special family here today. Uh, Pastor Rick and Autumn Beavers are back there in the middle. Could you wave at everyone, and could you welcome them back? Rick is pastoring a church in Florida, and so he's back with us. He was at General Assembly, and uh, one of the great things about General Assembly is seeing everybody uh, that you've known through the years, uh, but... Our church, I don't know if you know this, our church is a family right here, but the Nazarene Church globally is a family. This is a family event that we have with thousands of people, and you're walking through the hallways, and you're giving hug after hug after hug, because this is our family. And and so it's good to be with you this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious when I say I am thankful to be here. This is a great place to be. One of the things that stuck out to me about General Assembly, on Friday night there was a service and over 10,000, I think around 10,000 people are gathered in this big room and we're singing songs and we sang a song about God's worthiness, just like we have today. And all 10,000 plus people are standing there singing with all they've got. And it was this incredibly powerful moment where we're all worshiping, we're all praising God, we're all saying you are worthy. And here's what hit me. Every person in this entire world could stand together and praise God and claim his worthiness. And guess what? He's still worthy of that and so much more. We serve an awesome God. And we are here to worship. So listen, I just want to say this today. There's not 10,000 of us in here. But give him everything you have today. Because he's worthy of everything, all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, all your energy, all your voice, everything you've got, he's worthy. Praise God today. Um, thank you to Teresa and Bobby who came back as well to lead worship. And, uh, and, and listen, I just want to tell you guys that it's great to be with you. Uh, today we're in our second week of our Divine Legacy series. Last week, Pastor Grace kicked us off. And she kicked us off by talking, by asking a question and talking about pouring into others. The question is, who are you pouring into? When God does work in your life, when God is, is transforming and changing your heart and your life, you are called to then pour into others. And so Pastor Grace last week talked about the fact that we are all called to pour into others. And we were looking at the story of Moses pouring into Joshua. Through this series, we're going to be kind of focusing um, on, on that relationship and, uh, and what it looks like to pour into others. And so I just want to say this again, just to reiterate last week. If you are a follower of Christ, you are not meant to be a seat warmer. You are not meant to be an ornament on the wall of the church. You are meant to pour into others. If God is working in your life, in your heart, you are meant to take that and share it with others. That's how the kingdom is built. So we are to pour into others. Today we're going to be talking about one of the ways that we do that. And we're talking today about spiritual markers. So, so let me, let, let, let's catch up to where we are. So, so Moses is pouring into Joshua. See, uh, God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, out of bondage. 
led them out miraculously, led them through the desert. Moses was their leader for 40 years through the desert. Moses was their leader, and he's, he's guiding them along, but they come to the edge of the promised land, and, and God calls Moses up on the mountain, and he says, listen, you're not the one to take the people into the promised land. You're not the one. And Grace talked about this last week, that, that Moses had poured into Joshua because it was Joshua who would take the people into the promised land. So I want us to just take a second and put ourselves in the shoes of the Israelites. There's two huge things that are happening here. I don't know if you've ever had a leader that you just really loved. I'm sure some of you have had uh, presidents that you really loved. I'm sure some of you have had pastors that you really loved. I'm sure some of you have evangelists, bosses that you really love. I don't know if you've ever had that, but, but the people had Moses for 40 years leading them, and God had done all these incredible things, had parted the Red Sea, had fed them in the desert, had led them along the way, had protected them from their enemies, and, and he'd been faithful but, faithful, but Moses was their leader, and all of a sudden, the Israelites lose their leader. He's gone, and God says, hey, Joshua is your guy now. If you've ever been in that place, it's, it's tough to lose a leader that you love. It, it always brings questions. What's going to happen? Are we going to continue in the path we've gone? Is, is God going to continue to bless us? We, we think about this all the time when, when we have a leadership change, whether it's in the country, whether it's at work. What's going to happen? We don't know. So the people are in this place of, of struggle. Maybe you've been there before. Maybe you've had a leader that was with you for a long time, and they left, and you're at this place of not knowing. The second thing that's happening here is that the Lord has, has led the people. He led them out of Egypt, led them through um, the wilderness, through the desert. For 40 years, they're on their way to the promised land, and so, so God leads them to the edge of the promised land, to the Jordan River. But here's what it says in, in Scripture. It says that they walked up to the Jordan River in the middle of flood season. So number one, they've lost their great leader that they followed for 40 years. It, said, it actually said there was no other leader. There's never been a leader like him. They, they lost that level leader, and now they come up to the edge of the promised land, and they're supposed to go in, they're following God, but it's flood season. And so what usually would be possible for this whole nation to cross this river in the dry season, what would usually be possible is impossible because it's flood season it's up there's no way have you ever been in a place where uh, you know God led you somewhere and you were just kind of like hey God timing's not real great here <laughs> hey God it would have been great if you would have led us here like three months ago or in three months because it's flood season it just, I just don't see how we're gonna be able to get to where you're telling us we're getting be honest have you been there before? Where, where you've been in this place where you're just like, man, you're at the edge of this flooded river and you've got to get to the other side and you just don't see it. It doesn't seem possible. We all know this, but our God is the God of the impossible. Our God loves to work when we don't see a way when we've lost our leader, when we feel lost, when we get to the edge and we say, there's no way we're going to get through here, our God loves to show up. 
and do incredible things. Why does God work that way? Have you ever thought about that? Like, God, why do you work? Why do you lead me to the edge of the river? Why are you taking me here now when it's not possible? Why is this the way? Do you think God just loves to see us squirm? Anyone ever think that? I mean, be honest. You've thought that before. Like, God, you just enjoy seeing me squirm a little bit. That's not it. See, see, our God is the God of the impossible. And as we're going to see today, our God works in the impossible so that we know that it's our God and not us. If God only worked through what we can do, we'll forget. We won't realize that it's God. We'll think it's us. But our God is faithful. Long story short, they come up to the Jordan River, and God says, get in, and they start to put their feet in, and the water stops flowing from upstream, and it's dry ground. And once again, the people of God, the same people that crossed over the Red Sea, the same people, the Israelites, are now going to cross over the Jordan River, and they walk across on dry land. Praise God, we serve a God that's faithful. Nothing is impossible for our God. No obstacle is too big for our God. Maybe you come to a place in your life where there's a flooded river in front of you, or you've lost the leader that you thought you had, and, and you're at this place of, I just don't see it, God. Our God is faithful. Anyone just want to raise their hand today and say, God has been so good and faithful today? Praise God. So we're going to pick it up in Joshua chapter 4, if you'll stand with me for the reading of God's word. And, and here's my prayer, that God will teach us and speak to us today through his word. Joshua 4, starting in verse 1, it says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So we're going to keep going. Don't sit down. But, but let's just see what... They see the impossible. God parts the water. They walk through on dry land. They get to the other side, and God says, hey, go back and grab 12 stones. So they go back, and they grab the stones. Going up to verse 19. On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12, st 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In your future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Praise God for his word. You can have a seat. 
So the people cross over, they come to the impossible, they've lost their leader, they come to the edge, it's flooded, how are we going to get across? And God parts the waters and it says they walk across on dry land. I was reminded in between services, one of the things I wanted to mention is not only did they cross the land, they crossed dry ground. Have you ever been in a river or a creek that's dried up? The ground isn't dry, it's soggy, you'll sink. But they crossed on dry ground because when God works, God works, right? And God led them across on dry ground, and he said, hey, go back and get 12 stones. These stones are going to be a sign. So today we're talking about the stones, the signs, the spiritual markers. God says, you need to take some spiritual markers with you of what I've done. Now, we love, we love monuments. We love markers, don't we? You don't have to drive far to find markers or monuments. If you go right across the street to the Voice of America, to the, uh, the office there, you'll see in front of it a, a, a sign. It's, it's a marker of what that place is. If you have the opportunity, any Yankees fans in here? Oh, good. Man, we got a good congregation here. Way to go, guys. <laughs> Trick question. Now, if you've ever gone to uh, Yankee Stadium, I, I like to go to baseball stadiums. In, in center field, right behind center field, there's a thing called Monument Park. And it's a really cool thing because the Yankees have had so many great players and you walk through that park and you see all these statues or all these plaques to all the Yankee greats. Now for me that doesn't mean a lot, it's cool, but we love statues, right? What's the most famous statue? Someone yell it out, come on. I was thinking the Rocky statue, but that's probably not true, right? We love markers, we love statues, we love things that mark and point back. I'm a big sports fan. When, you go to, when I went to the Staples Center to see the Lakers play, you've got all the greats out there, all of the greatest Lakers. Then you go inside and you see all the banners of all their championships because we've got to remember what's happened, right? God says you need to take spiritual markers. See, here's the thing. I don't think that we are good at taking spiritual markers. We love to commemorate other things. But God calls us to take spiritual markers, spiritual signs of what he's done. He says, go back into that river that I parted and grab 12 stones because these are going to be signs, markers of who I am and what I've done. We need spiritual markers to point us to God. This is a huge thing. Why do we need spiritual markers? Because if we forget to have spiritual, if we forget to commemorate what God has done, we fall into the trap of forgetting what God's done. If we forget, we lose our way. We mess up. The story of the Israelites in the Old Testament is a story. It's a cycle over and over again where God would save them. God would lead them through the sea. They would get through. They would forget what he's done. And so they would try to figure things out on their own. And they would turn to idols. And they, they would get cast into bondage and slavery. And then God would save them. And they'd get all excited. And they'd praise God. And then they would forget. And they would turn away. And they would be kept. There's this cycle. See, we need spiritual markers because we are a forgetful people. All of, most of us raised our hand that God has been faithful to us and brought us through a river situation, right? A, a Jordan River situation. But 
It's really easy when you come to the next situation, when that next leader leaves, when things get tough, it's really easy to forget what God has done and who God is. And so God says, you need to take some spiritual markers. I remember when I, th this message kind of started in my head like 10 years ago. Uh, my buddy Tony called me and he said, man, God is so good. His son Tyler had been driving down the interstate and got into a horrific crash that should have killed him. And he walked away without a scratch on him. And he said, praise God. And I started to think, you know, we always put markers where bad things happen. When you're driving down the interstate, you see all these markers of where people didn't make it, where things have happened. We don't have enough markers of the places in our life where God's been faithful and saved us and marched us through the water. We need spiritual markers. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them. Tell them. Markers aren't just to, to be there. They're to, they're to tell people. They're to testify. He says, tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you, until you crossed over. See, if we're going to pour into others, if we're going to pour in what God has done in our lives, we need spiritual markers that we can point others to to say this is what God has done. So three things that spiritual markers, three purposes that spiritual markers serve. The first is this, spiritual markers remind us and future generations of God's constant faithfulness. I want you to hear that word, that word is very important. Spiritual markers remind us of God's constant faithfulness. See, these stones that they took out of the River Jordan were not just about one time. They're about the constant faithfulness of God. These are to be a sign that God is always and has always been and will always be faithful. See, God was faithful to the people when he called them out of Egypt. He was faithful to the people when he parted the Red Sea. He was faithful to the people when they wandered the desert. He fed them when they needed fed. He protected them when people came against them. God was faithful over and over and over again. And so God says, get a spiritual marker to remind you of God's constant faithfulness. Look at verse 23. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. This wasn't even the first time they crossed over a body of water. This wasn't the first time this had happened. God has always been faithful to his people, and God will always be faithful to his people. And so these spiritual markers are a reminder, not just of what he does in this moment, but of what he's always done and what he will always do. See, God's given us these promises. In verse 3, we see a promise. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. In verse 5, he says, nobody will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And then he says, I will never 
leave you or forsake you. This promise was to Moses, then it was to Joshua, and now it's to us. Our God is faithful. Here's what I want you to hear today. Maybe God's brought you through some flooded rivers in the past. Maybe God's parted the waters for you. Maybe you've dealt with some loss with a leader that left and you felt lost and God was faithful. We need spiritual markers to remind us of those things. And here's the tough news. There are going to be more flooded rivers. There are going to be more moments of struggle. That's part of life. It's part of this journey. And so we need to remember when, when we come to the next river that this isn't the first time that we've had an obstacle. God was faithful at the Jordan. God was faithful at the Red Sea. And God will be faithful at whatever river it is next because this is what our God does. God is faithful. The second thing that spiritual markers do is they serve as testimonies to share with others. Look at verse 24. It says, he did this. He delivered them, he parted the waters, so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, so that you might always fear the Lord your God. God works in our lives, God does amazing things, not just for cool moments. God does things not only to bless us, but God does things to build his kingdom. And so when God takes you through the sea, that's meant to be a testimony. Those markers are a testimony to build his kingdom with. One of my favorite markers we have here at the church, you may not have ever thought of it as this, but if you walk down this hallway back here by Hawks Hall, there's what's called the generations board. And it tells the story of our church from the day the church started until, I think it's 2016. We, we need to update soon. <laughs> We're a little behind. But that is a, that's spiritual markers. Those are stones to show God's faithfulness through generations. That's what I'm talking about. We need to have these markers about God's faithfulness. One of my favorite things is when people that aren't from our church come for a party or for an event, and I always see them walking up and down that hallway, and they're always looking at those pictures and reading the things because they're curious. Here's the thing, spiritual markers are for us to remember what God has done, but spiritual markers are a testimony to who God is. And when God does something in your life, don't hold it in, don't, don't keep it to yourself. Put a spiritual marker out there and let everyone see it because the world needs to know that our God is faithful and our God is the only true God. So that all people might know it's not enough to hold hold it in yourself we're meant to share we're meant to testify to who God is and what he's done the third thing that spiritual markers do um, spiritual markers remind us and future generations that he is our ultimate guide he is our ultimate leader See, I told you earlier, the Israelites are at this place where for 40 plus years, they've been following Moses, and all of a sudden, Moses is gone, and they're lost. It said they spent 30 days mourning in the wilderness because they didn't know what to do. But the truth of the matter is, the faithfulness of God to Moses would be the same as the faithfulness to God and Joshua. 
and will be the same for us today. God is faithful to every generation. See, it wasn't Moses that got them out of Egypt. He might get credit as the leader, but it wasn't Moses that got them out of Egypt. It was God. It wasn't Moses that got them through the Red Sea. Moses didn't part the water. He was just the guy walking with them, leading them. It was God that parted the Red Sea. It wasn't Moses that fed them in the wilderness. It was God that fed them in the wilderness. It wasn't Moses that protected them against the enemies. He couldn't. It was God that protected them. It's the power and faithfulness of God that leads us every day. And so when we have these spiritual markers, it says in verse 24, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. What this is saying is so you will always remember that it's not Moses and it's not Joshua and it's not Billy Graham and it's not a president of the United States and it's not a boss at work. It is God who is your ultimate guide and leader. And as long as he is with you, you're okay. And he's always faithful. Listen, it's tough when we lose great Christian leaders. I mean, Billy Graham was a great minister of the gospel who preached to, to multitudes. But guess what? It wasn't him. He would tell you that if he was able to be here today and tell you. He would say, it wasn't me. It's God. I want you to know that we we sang it right before I came up here, and that's a personal song for me. I'm not enough. Unless you come, will you meet us here again? Listen, tough news for you. If, If it's based on me, we're in trouble. But it's not based on me. God is faithful. God will lead us through every river, through every storm, through every battle. God is our ultimate guide. Pastors come and go, evangelists come and go, presidents come and go, bosses come and go, leaders come and go. There's one true God. Spiritual markers are a way to keep you focused. That is not about us. It's about God. Listen to this promise that's made in Joshua 1. This is the good news. As I was with Moses, this promises to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. I want to take this and I want to make this personal to us because this is God's promise to Joshua, but I want you to hear this today because this promise is the same for you today. The same God that was with Moses, the same God that was then with Joshua, the same God that was with the people that started this church, the same God that was with Billy Graham, the same God that's with all followers of Christ is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will be with you every time you come to a river, every time a leader leaves, every time something doesn't go the way you hope it will. He's with you. He will never forsake you. So we need spiritual markers. We need spiritual markers to remind us that God is with us. Because if we don't remember, we'll turn our own way. And just like the Israelites, we'll get lost over and over again. 
Remembering what God has done will help us and will help future generations to trust him in everything we face, to keep him as our ultimate leader and Lord. So this last week, um, I've been thinking a lot about these spiritual markers for about 10 years. Been planning this series for a little bit, and um, last week I was in the house. I was actually waiting for someone to come to the house, and I, I was just sitting at the table, didn't have anything to do, and I looked over, and I saw a book, and uh, before my mom died, she made about 10 or 12 books for our family that tell our story, that talk about where we've been and, and what God's done. And so I started flipping through that book and I was reminded that no matter what river I'm standing on the edge of, Amen. the same God is faithful. So this week I started looking through the books and I came across this one. It's called My Heart by Elaine Mahaffey. I want you to hear what's written. Sorry, I'll try to pull it together. I want you to hear what's written on the first page. It says, this book began out of the encouragement of family members. From time to time, I've had the opportunity to write or speak to various groups. I find that I often draw upon life lessons that I learned through everyday experiences. I believe that God often teaches us through the people around us. Some of these stories might be about you. I've also included blog entries written during my cancer journey. My hope and my prayer is that as you read this, you will also open your eyes to the day-to-day -day life lessons that God wants to teach you. Love, Mom. I made the mistake of opening that this morning. I've been crying all week. The second story is about a time where God answered a prayer of mine. Listen, for the Israelites, it was go back and grab stones out of the River Jordan. We need spiritual markers. I don't know what that looks like for you, but for my mom, for me, this is a spiritual marker. When I look back at this and I flip through the pages and I see the story after story of God's faithfulness and how God has worked and how God has moved, I'm reminded that no matter what river I stand on the edge of, where I have to go, what I have to do, I serve a God that's faithful. And praise God for a mom that didn't want to talk about how awesome she is, but wanted to point me to the only true God. We need spiritual markers. We're going to sing a song, What He's Done, and I want to invite you just as we sing this song, go ahead and stand with me. I want to invite you as we sing to just be thinking about God's faithfulness to you. I don't know what rivers God's led you through, I don't know how God has worked in your life, but I promise that God is faithful. 
As we sing this song, I want you to praise God for his faithfulness, but I want you to be thinking, and through this week, I want you to be thinking about the, the times that God has delivered you, the times that God has saved you, the times that God has been with you. And I want you to be thinking about what kind of spiritual markers you can leave. Because if we're going to pour into future generations, we need to have things that we can point at to say, that's who our God is. That's what he's done, and that's what he's always going to do. Praise God for his faithfulness. Father, I pray that you'd speak to us. I pray that you'd remind us now of all of the blessings that you've given us, all the things you've done, and help us to praise you with everything we have in Jesus' name.